this is Joe and TJ with another episode of our One Thing series. Our desire is that our One Thing series truly helps you to lead better and grow faster. Every month on our podcast, we feature a great guest always on the topic of leadership and we blast it out to you from the schoolhouse302.com. Thank you, TJ. Please share this with other leaders you know that are looking and craving to get better. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Here we are with our guest, Amber Tiemann. Welcome to the show, Amber. We are thrilled to have you with us today. Hello, hello. So this episode, we are focused on how leaders set the tone and build a culture really to finish the school year strong. And we couldn't think of anyone better to have on our show than you, Amber. So we're thrilled to have you. Thank you. Um, And I'm going to turn it over to TJ. TJ, why don't you tell our audience a bit more about Amber? Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for that. Our guest for this episode is Amber Tiemann. Amber serves as the Director of Technology for Crandall ISD, a fast-growing district outside of Dallas, Texas. During her educational career, Amber's comprehensive understanding of student learning has resulted in a successful blend of both technology and leadership. Through her campus and district level leadership, she has helped initiate instructional change district-wide, empowering teachers at all levels. Amber knows that we can all be better together, and she strives to make every day the very best it can be for each member of her staff and students, something we're going to talk a little bit more about just here in a minute. As an award-winning administrator, she has been a featured speaker in multiple states, helping motivate, encourage, and develop the capacity of teachers and leaders nationwide, recognizing the power of social media, working with districts and campuses on finding their voice and leveraging the power of connected educators has led her down a path she completely owes to the power of her professional learning network. Okay, Amber, we want to dive into this conversation on the importance of finishing the school year strong and what that looks like for our students and staff. Obviously, this year has been very challenging for multiple reasons for, you know, the kids in our schools, our students and our teachers and and support staff. We believe that it's critical to end the year strong, um, really for peak performance in the following year. What have you experienced? What are your uh, uh, pieces of advice for our audience? What are some key ways that school leaders, you know, principals and assistant principals can create an environment here at the end that ensures that, you know, we go home on a high note? I think it's important to remember that in the trenches, they're done. They, they see that end in sight. They know there's a calendar, there's a countdown, there's a, a thought in the back of their head that they just have to get through these last few weeks. I think recognizing as the leader of the building that your tone is going to set their tone. Um, I'm not a big fan of the countdown. To me, that's you have 12 days left to make a difference. You have nine days left to make a difference versus a, I have 10 more days till I can sit by the pool with a drink in my hand. Uh, even if you think it, talk it, speak it, that, that can definitely impact the mentality and the attitude. I tried to be super cautious of the fact that I knew I had some kids who didn't want to go home for the summer that weren't ready to not have us. And what does it say to them when you've got a big countdown on your on your front door, not that you don't get to look forward to your break and not that you don't get to be excited about the opportunity to kind of rejuvenate. But as the administrator, it was very important for my building that I had the same energy level that I'd had all year. 
and that I wasn't presenting as exhausted or ready to be done or tired of, of the, the minutia of the day to day. Typically here in Texas, you know, we've got state testing happening for the next two and a half weeks. So on top of being exhausted in a pandemic, we then now have testing. So um, looking for ways to show appreciation, looking for ways to, to connect with teachers on a personal level and making sure that they know that I see or value what they are still doing each and every day, trying to get out of their way and, and let them enjoy these last few days with their students. I think sets a good tone for that student that's leaving, but also for that teacher that can kind of close the chapter of the school year. Amber, that's excellent. Very practical ways uh, that you've just described and definitely want to dive into that portion more on how you do work with staff. Um, I like how you said get out of their way, you know, because they will run, but I want to dig into, if you don't mind, you said something that I don't want to lose sight of, and I know our audience will really appreciate, about you having the same energy level at the end of the year that you had at the beginning of the year. I think that is critical. Could you describe, practically speaking, how you do that? Like, what do you do to keep your energy levels high to keep yourself motivated. I mean, we all have endured serious stress. If you're a leader this year and last, it's synonymous with stress. It is already anyway, but wow, has it been ever so this past year and a half. How are you keeping your energy levels high, setting that tone for those that you lead? So first, I think is the, the mentality perspective of remembering that the position always precedes the person. And, and when I walk in the door as the principal, there is an expectation associated with that role, regardless of the relationships that I may have with my teachers. We can be a family and we can be friends and we can cut up and we can do all the things that we want to do. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm still the principal. I'm still the person that they're looking towards and looking to to set the tone, to steer the conversation, um, making sure, super cliche, but making sure, am I still getting enough sleep? Am I still finding things to do at night and on the weekends that are refilling Amber's bucket? Um, it's not football season, so what's a girl supposed to do around here? Uh, making sure that I have time with friends or that I've got something to look forward to, whether it's a vacation or an opportunity to refresh, the things that excite you and fill your bucket. Um, need to be prevalent and on your mind. The same things that I would tell a teacher who would say, I'm burned out. I can't find my focus. Remember your wife. Remember you're the boss. Remember you're the leader. Call a friend. Call TJ. Call Joe. Vent to however you want to vent. Um, but in front of your people, remember that you still have to be true to the position even when we're tired as the person. Does that make sense? And I don't want to say that you have to negate and smush all your stress down and smush all your things down, but looking at the appropriate way to share that, you know what? I'm tired too. I'm going to take an extra nap on Sunday. I've got extra soft drinks in the fridge. I am, again, Melinda Miller and I wrote Leave with Appreciation. And I bet a third of my budget came the last quarter of the school year because this is when they need the refrigerator filled with soft drinks. This is when they need snacks out on the counter in front of the mailbox. This is when they need. Um, an extra thank you from me that's genuine and not false. It, it also can't be something that I haven't done September through April, and I only give it to them the week of teacher appreciation in May. Um, so luckily, that was 
that's probably one of my professional love languages is making sure that I gifted and smiled and wrote happy notes and did all the things, but you just can't let that, you can't lose sight of that in May. You have to be super intentional because you are tired, because you are stressed, because you do have extra things on your plate. That level of intentionality as a leader is even more important as you close the door on this season of this year than ever. I really like what you said about the, um, like not masking. It's not the leadership. It's not the leader's role to mask what, what they feel, right? It's to have strategies to make sure that you really do still have that energy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you bring up lead with appreciation and you did mention some things there, but I want to press a little bit further in May, in June, Leading, we've written about the peak end rule, Dan, Daniel Kahneman, people will remember what is the peak and what is the end of their experience. The good news in school is you can't miss out on that in the end because the peak and the end are at the same time. Um, what are some other practical tips you have for honing in on that peak end as a place to end with a high note? You talked about the stock in the fridge, making yeah. sure that there's, you know, food is always great. You know, a buddy of mine used to say people work for muffins more than money. Um, I don't know if that's entirely true, but uh, that was his saying. What else can you do to get that culture jazzy at the end? I think you have to, again, think you have to be strategic. You have to look at what am I choosing to share right now with my staff? Am I sharing everything with them? Am I sharing only what they absolutely need? Am I overwhelming them with my to-do list? Am I overwhelming them with end of the year expectations? Am I being cognizant of the fact that teachers are masters of reallocating what's on their plate, but it's my job to control what's actually on their plate? I used to tell my staff that um, things that we came that would shift down from the central office level or just general teacher expectations at the end of the year or during the year, there's a level of broccoli that's always going to be on your plate. And it's my job to control how much broccoli you have at any given moment. And so making sure that I'm asking, what are you doing because you think is an expectation of mine that may or may not actually be true. We may have done an initiative five years ago and you are still holding tight to some of those activities or thoughts or expectations. And I've moved way past that. And, and I think that sometimes administrators can get real good at adding without ever thinking, oh, maybe I should clarify exactly now where my expectations are. And, and you assume that teachers know, oh, we're not even doing that anymore. You don't have to think about that. You don't have to worry about that. Or, or somebody else is taking care of that now. Are we having those conversations with staff so that we hear why they're stressed, what they're stressed about? and have stepped in as the administrator and done what we can to help alleviate that. And sometimes it literally is, it's a muffin, it's a thank you, it's a, it's a Coke, it's a soft drink. Um, find a snack and I can come up with a rhyme for it. And, and little Debbie and I are actually best friends. But there, there are practical things that you can do in addition to snacks or, or material items. Um, I made sure that they knew what's our theme for next year. I don't let, I didn't never let, I never let them leave the year, not knowing some of the things that might make them anxious all summer. Um, How many sections are we going to have? Who's teaching what? Who's partnering with who? What changes can you anticipate? Uh, There are, there are things I think that we forget and think, well, they don't even know about that. They're not going to worry about that, but that will stress the teacher out all summer. If they don't know exactly what's happening and you come back in August and, and you didn't know anybody needed changes that may end your ear well, but that's going to ruin the beginning of your next year. So we start having staffing conversations early 
transparent conversations early, no end of the year surprises of, oh, by the way, you're teaching kinder next year. Um, having to be strategic and remember what it's like to be a human and, and not take for granted that your teachers aren't also exhausted and tired and have emotions and feelings. I love it, Amber. I, I love actually the clarifying expectations that people may be hanging on to something from five years ago and they haven't let it go and yet we've moved on. I, I think that's profound. I, and I'm sure that happens all the time. And if we haven't set the record straight or clarified where we are at this time, um, who knows what they're carrying in their backpack? You know, you so, role followers. you've got some people yeah. who are holding on to every single thing that you say and desperate to please um, and that they're not going to let it go until they are implicitly told to let it go. So, Amber, let's switch gears a little bit. I mean, you're, you're saying a, a lot of things that resonate with us. They're profound. Um, the hallmarks of what makes you a great leader, which we appreciate. And I think that resonates with our audience well. Who is one person or group who you follow for either knowledge or inspiration and where could we find them? Oh my gosh, so many people in so many areas. Angela Watson is, is a great cornerstone for teachers. She's the master and architect of the 40-hour work week. Again, helping teachers set boundaries and, and kind of some of those expectations. I love Angela, not only because she's personally motivating to me, um, but professionally with that teacher lens. She is someone, I, I taught fourth grade. Again, I can't give a kindergarten teacher advice on how to run classroom management, right? Um, but she has that Cornerstone for Teachers podcast, Truth for Teachers is what it's called. And there are probably who even knows, season after season now of, of things that if a teacher is in a spot, maybe the disconnect with, with me and my advice and my suggestion, I can send them 15 minutes of Angela Watson's calm New York accent, talking them through, um, that allows them to hear something that I, I can fall with. I, I agree with Angela 90% of the time. So I know I'm giving them good advice, but it's not coming from Amber, who they work with every day, right? So Angela's fantastic. Um, personally, I mean, a lot of, a lot of the crowd, Tom Murray, Joe Sanfilippo, Todd Whitaker, George Kuros is fantastic. Sine Bell is amazing. Um, I have connected with, again, some really, really incredible people via Twitter, including you two, uh, Principal L in that group. There's just some outstanding people doing outstanding things. And sometimes just being able to reconnect with someone who speaks your language and who has the energy and the passion that you do for, for the things that you do can get you fired up to keep going. Great advice. It also brings us back to that strategy for energy, right? When you're feeling kind of low, there's a place to go. The, the Twitter is, is, is a place that provides us with energy as well. And for all the reasons that you just mentioned and all the people who you, who you just mentioned. So thank you for that. The PLN is just a wonderful outlet, inlet. Um, and so I hope that anybody who's listening, who's not on Twitter, will get on Twitter and hopefully they'll follow Amber Teeman as their first, uh, as their first follow. Let's, uh, here's a, another question that our listeners love. What's one thing that people should try to do on a regular basis that might make a difference in their day or life? 
I'm really aware these days of the social media impact as we as we talk about a professional learning network. Um, depending on who you follow or who you let into your world, they they may not always they may be in your circle, but they may not be may not be cheering for you in your circle. And and even if it's not somebody that you know, it's just somebody that you follow. But if it's someone who isn't in a good place or isn't in the same stage of of life where you are, you could fall into that comparison trap. You could fall into the I'm not good enough trap. You could have that imposter syndrome trap. Um, lots and lots of people, I think, see what we share on Instagram or Facebook. And it is, it's a sunshiny highlight reel because if my parents look me up on Facebook, I don't want them to see me ranting and raving about <laughs> how tired and stressed I am all the time, right? It's sunshine and cowboy rainbows on, on my Facebook page. Um, but recognizing that and for people to be aware of, don't let yourself stay in a space where it makes you feel bad. And again, when you're tired, you might be more likely, if you're stressed, you might be more likely to see and feel as if you're not measuring up or as if where you are isn't as great as where someone else is. And to, to just kind of have that reminder that the highlight reel isn't always reality. Amber, do you have a, a way or a method that you, recognize and become cognizant that you're entering that space that, you know what, this may not be the best for me. I mean, that, that is tough. You know, we tend to go to those things habitually and not necessarily good for us. And I have found though, it's beyond just self-control, right? I mean, we got to be aware that this is happening. Do you have a mechanism or something that helps you say, you know what, this isn't good for me right now. Only in the sense that when I look at someone else's picture and think, hmm, I should lose 10 pounds. Hmm, I wish I was blonde. Hmm, I wonder if Botox will fix that. Um, recognizing that those are the, the, the things that go through my mind means I need to unfollow, snooze, silence for 30 days. Um, that doesn't mean that they can't be in my world. It doesn't mean that we can't be friends. And it doesn't mean that I can't go to their blog and read their posts. It, it just may mean that in that medium, that might not be the place to follow. And, and I think, again, there's a lot. And it kind of honestly depends on me. If I'm in a tired stress place, I'm more likely to compare myself um, on Instagram. But if I'm in a good place, if I'm feeling good and feeling like things are going well and being productive, then I'm going to look at that and think, oh, those are some good ideas. I can take something from that and improve upon that and move forward. So I think checking my own mental state, making sure that I stay above board with, again, sleep and positivity and energy and the things that fill my bucket to where I don't need to be fulfilled in one of those social medium settings. I think that's easy. And I think it can get overwhelming if you're on all of them all of the time for all of the things. Taking one of those social media sabbaticals every now and then is not a terrible idea. Uh, here in, in Texas, sadly, I don't think it's elsewhere, and um, we have a Mexican restaurant called Poncho's. It is the trashiest Mexican food that is basically my favorite place ever. Um, but they have a flag on the table and you go to this buffet and you pick out all the things that you want. And then you sit down and whatever you want more of, you raise the flag and they bring it to you. It's magical. Um, but I feel like social media can be that. If, if, if you are conscious of your choices and say, these are the things that I'm taking in, I want more of this. I want more of that person. I want more of this idea, of this strategy, of this hashtag. You search it out versus letting it come to you. Sometimes that can be advantageous as well. 
in the sense that as a leader, if I've got goals and I've got plans and I've got parameters around what I want my leadership to reflect, I can choose who and what and how I follow. I think it's sage advice. I think it's critical we do our best to find ourselves and put ourselves in a resourceful state so we can learn from those errors. And it's not just a, a space of competitiveness or a space of feeling bad about ourselves or not owning up. Um, because, and I think you're 100% right, Amber. You know, when we start feeling fatigue, when we start feeling, you know, low, it can drain us. And I'm not sure, I think it was Paul Bear Bryant who said, you know, fatigue will make us uh, a coward out of all of us. And it's so true. I have this, this line with my wife, you know, I'm no good after 11 anymore. After 11 p.m., Joe is no longer any good. I'm just not, not to anybody. I'm too tired. I don't function well. So I know after that, it's usually going downhill, you know, regardless of weeknight. I mean, I would love to say, you know, I, I'm as good as I once was, but that's not even remotely true um, as I've gotten older. So I think it's, it's wise to us to know what builds us and what we gain from things. And I think social media can definitely be addictive. Um, we have a neighbor that refers to Facebook as fake book. Mm -hmm. And, oh, it's so true, you know. Um, so that being said, let's uh, move on to an, another critical uh, topic. You know, you've had a lot of transition in your life recently. Um, you've moved, you shared that with us. You're in a new position, director of technology. That's a huge position, especially in COVID. And taking that role on during COVID, I would imagine was a monstrous um, undertaking. Is there some like one thing that you want to be able to do um, that you don't do already? I mean, you're pursuing dreams. You shared that with us on a family level, but is there something beyond you know, chasing the goals professionally, um, supporting, you know, what you described in your family life, which is very um, courageous going out, going out on that limb and moving out there. Um, what's something that you would want to know or be able to do that you don't do already? I think within this role, you mean professionally? Yeah, it can be professional or personal. Well, we'll start with professional. We'll figure the personal out later. Um, professionally, I have always been able to see, again, I, I feel as if I'm techie, that might be self-proclaimed, um, but that is what my master's degree is in, is in technology and curriculum. And so I've always had a bent of leading in a way that lends itself to more techiness than the average bear, right? Um, and that may be true, less true now than it was 10 years ago when it all began. But I, I do know that in my experiences, the technology department has such a disconnect from the campus level that it, it is almost two different languages. And in this role, in just the last six months, um, really great example, a campus ordered headphones with a microphone, um, didn't contact technology, just ordered the headphones for Telpos, which is our non-native English speaker test, right? Big deal. The students have to speak and they're measured by how well they can communicate. Well, the campus ordered, they didn't contact us. So they ordered the wrong thing. When they contacted us and were understandably, oh, we have to have this, this is a big deal. And the interpretation here was, whatever, it's not a big deal. You should have contacted us first, calm down. It's, you know, they, there was such a disconnect between the understanding of what it looks like to measure 
a non-English speaker at seven years old when my teaching evaluation and my teaching expectations are going to be dependent upon whether or not this seven-year-old takes this seriously to begin with and I have to record them and send it in, like, come on, um, being able to help them understand and see that there are realistic, like the realistic perception of a campus level is night and day from what's happening in this department. And just because it's not your emergency doesn't mean it's not super important and amazing to them. Principals aren't thinking, let me contact technology for headphone approval. That's just not something on my plate when I'm thinking about that CPS call that came through this morning of what am I gonna provide for the buffet lunch on Thursday? And that dad's still cutting through traffic in the morning. There's so many things on administrators plates. I hope to remove the obstacle that is unintentional and definitely not malicious, but that obstacle of what it looks like to be at the campus level with the expectations that our teachers and administrators have. My job is to say yes and to figure out how to say yes. It is not to be the no. It's to understand what is your goal? What are you trying to achieve? How can I help you meet that goal? Because in the past, I've always seen, no, we can't do it. No, our network doesn't support it. No, that's not allowed. No, that's not how we do things here. Okay, let's talk that through. <laughs> let's figure out a solution. How can we tell them yes? And now I get to be in a place and have the authority where we get to make that happen. And that, when I can get to that place where my yeses and their wants can align, that's gonna be professional euphoria. I think that's an awesome sentiment for any district office leader, whether you're a content specialist or director of technology or a principal supervisor, just to bring, you know, the notion to light that your job is to take things off the plate because there's so many things that we do inevitably have to put on the plate, curriculum review, you know, the new technology rollout, um, replacement cycle. So anytime we can take something off. And it just reminds me of that mentality that you had about your teachers, right? That is the peak end rule for the whole district is let's serve well from our positions so that people can do their jobs without fear and anxiety. So thank you for that. Um, as we talk about your growth as a leader and you, know, you seem to have grown you know, immensely it, just recently in your position, this goal that you have of service, what's one thing that continues to lead to your leadership growth that others might be able to replicate? Now, we know the Twitter contact and the, and, and the folks who you follow, but is there something that you do on a regular basis that you, you would attribute to your growth as a leader? I think recognizing always what I don't know. I think that there's, there's power in saying, help me understand, help me figure out what does it look like? What does support for me look like? And having those conversations with our stakeholders, I got to meet with the top 10% of our high school senior class yesterday. The conversations that we had with them were incredible. And it was things that are so like, oh, huh, who'd have thunk it? But by having a conversation with people and telling them that I didn't know that I needed their help in helping make decisions and to answer questions. One of the students, and again, small, smaller district here, um, had the conversation with me that there were expectations in some of her classes that she could get extra credit or it would be um, more impressive of a, of a turning in of an assignment if it was in color or if it had these different effects and things that she had. And she said, I have a Chromebook, I don't have a printer at home, and I don't have a car. So how can I meet those needs and, and reach those high expectations that they're setting for me if I don't actually have the stuff? And I thought, 
you're right, we should have access to a color printer for students if that is going to be an expectation from our teachers. Um, one of the other kids said, I'm an AP Gov and AP Debate, and I need to know how I can submit websites to the technology department to approve to be unblocked because everything is locked down. But I have to know both sides of this issue and not because I'm enjoying it, but because I, I wanna win and I wanna represent this district well. Who can I have the conversation with? Because if they ask their teacher, the teacher says it's blocked. Sorry, that, that's district policy. But what can I as a tech director do to figure out a way to allow our students who are trying so hard to do these amazing, incredible things to get all of us out of their way? So all of that to say, asking questions that I don't know the answer to, recognizing that I don't know all the things, especially in this new role, but being willing to say, hey guys, I, I've got to figure this out. Can I have some time to, to dig into this a little deeper, to contact people who are, are smarter and, and better at this than me, and let's figure out what the best solution for our district is. Amber, that's a, a pretty well-developed mindset and one that I think takes a lot of courage. Have you always possessed that kind of mindset around not having to be that person in the room? Because leaders tend to fall into that trap quite a bit. And it is an Achilles heel. It really can limit a leader's effectiveness. Is that something that you've grown into or is that more recent? Well, I'm laughing because I could lean, I could lean over into this drawer right here and pull out the staff survey results from the first year I was principal where 71 percent of my teachers in February said they wanted to work somewhere else. Um, so to be someone who prides herself on being successful and on doing well and overachieving, again, I'm an Enneagram three, like the achiever is by definition who I am, um, to have been failing and not realizing that I was failing, I had no idea that my staff was as unhappy as they were at the time, um, was such an impediment to how I viewed what success looked like for me as a leader. And it took a lot of really hard conversations with my staff to say, I by no means am here to be terrible. I'm here to make you look good. I'm here for me, to, for us to look good, for our students to look good, for our district to look good. Um, I was at a top rated campus and leadership is hard and transitions are hard. And, and we know that there's always a curve there, a, a gap from where you start to where you end. Um, but I had no idea that I was doing it as bad as I was doing it. And, and you'd mentioned earlier the highlight reel. My blog is literally a catalog of my failures. And that was through a conversation with George Kuros. If you go back to my blog and do hashtag the first year, I talk about all the things that I did wrong because I never want someone else to experience what I felt like when I opened that email from my superintendent who took a chance on me as a leader and had to say, got some things to work on. What are we gonna do? And, and again, the commitment that I had there, the last three years I was at WIT, I had 27 people leave. Um, 24 of them were promoted. So we were able to turn around and leave a, a, this amazing legacy when I left. It was both amazing and incredible because I was excited, but it was also the hardest thing I'd ever done because we were finally at a place where we were all firing on all cylinders. They got me, I got them. We were doing incredible things for kids. Um, but yes, th that is why I'm able to do that is because I recognize that when people smile and laugh, like I said earlier, the, the position precedes the person. My jokes were funny, my outfits were cute. I was walking on clouds until that anonymous survey <laughs> came around. And so I learned from that and I never want to lose sight of the importance of emotional intelligence and how easy it is for a leader to not understand how they're being seen. 
I will never allow that to happen again. Good for you. I mean, that's impressive. Thank you for showing vulnerability as well and sharing that with us. Um, as you know, a lot, most of our audience are leaders, so that will resonate with them, but I think it'll hit home for a lot of them, especially during this time, especially during COVID, um, where there's been so much uncertainty and we're not sure how our decisions will play out at all levels. Uh -huh. Amber, final question. What's one thing that you used to think that you don't think anymore? I think, again, the expectation that the leader in the room has to have all the answers. I think that the smartest person in the room is the room. I think surrounding myself with people who think completely opposite of me is a genius move versus initially thinking, who's going to like me? Who's going to support me? And who's going to be on board with all the things that I want to accomplish? I, I now see the value in being challenged uh, in the way that I'm thinking and the strategies that I'm thinking, recognizing my own weaknesses versus these are my strengths. Let me be clear about what I'm good at. And then let's figure out how to balance all of that out with y'all strengths and, and make sure that my, my weaknesses are complementary to your strengths so that we can effectively run this, this building. Um, what elementary is going to be fine without me because we have systems in place that believe in kids and believe in teachers. That wasn't an Amber Teeman thing. It is, but I built it, helped build it and model it in a sustainable way that doesn't require me. I think that's a great place to end. I mean, the insights here are fantastic. Um, and I hope somebody listening right now tweets out the smartest person in the room is the room. Dave, um, who says that? Dave, Dave, somebody. That is definitely not an Amber Teeman quote, but it is my favorite quote. Dave, George will know. George can tweet it. <laughs> it's a great quote. It reminds us that our collective efforts um, are really what bring us together and let us go further. Is there anything else that you would like to add for our listeners, um, request of the listeners or, or in part for people listening today? Um, again, everyone has, has strengths. And like I said, I, I love a good snack and I love a good rhyme, but Melinda Miller out of Missouri and I wrote Lead with Appreciation, which helps teachers, helps leaders be intentional with showing acts of appreciation and how to empower their, their teachers with a culture of gratitude. Uh, and so that is a, a Dave Burgess book that we wrote a year or so ago that I feel like helps be more intentional if that's not where you think. And sometimes Appreciation is not the top of your to-do list because there are really, really important things on your plate. Um, so is your culture and your climate. And hopefully there are some tools and some strategies and some ideas in that book that allow that one to come off of their to-do list. And we did the heavy lifting for you. Awesome. Lead with appreciation. We will link to that in the show notes. There you have it, everybody. Another great podcast. Don't forget to follow our blog at theschoolhouse302.com for blog posts, podcasts video blogs always on the topic of leadership and we hope you enjoyed this one thing series on how school leaders can ensure a successful end to the school year and so much more thank you amber for being on the show and now a word from our sponsors hey joe you know what leaders need these days what's that tj sleep a good night's rest, self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. One of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. 
I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about, you know, getting a good night's sleep. But, you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend Ghost Bed, our sponsor, with 30,000 plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic uh, support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. You get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out ghost bed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow. That's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral. If you get somebody else a good night's sleep, better sleep for you, better leadership, ghostbed.com. You can't beat it. Ghostbed.com. 